Welcome to the Natural Health for People and Pets podcast, a show that aims to empower you with the knowledge and tools needed to take control of your own health and well-being, as well as providing health-promoting strategies for the dogs in your life. The world of health and nutrition can be overwhelming, so what better way to understand what works and what doesn't, what's evidence-based and what's not, than to hear it from someone in the know? So, please welcome your host of the show, accredited naturopath and nutritionist, Narelle Cook. Welcome back to episode two of Natural Health for People and Pets. I've just accepted the role of co-host, might as well. Claim it. Yeah, I'm going to. So, my name's Glenn Cook. As I said, I'm co-host of the show, but I want to introduce you once again to the person who's going to mainly be talking about these subject matters, who's the smartest person in the room as far as I'm concerned with all this material, the host, Narelle Cook. Hi, everyone. Good to be back. We're on episode two. Isn't that exciting? It is exciting. It's all happening. I'm looking forward to everything we have to share with our listeners. Mm -hmm. And like I said in episode one, any questions you've got, please send them in to me. We can cover any topics that are of interest to you guys. Yep. But today... We thought we'd make it a bit more personal. So today we're telling our own story and a journey that Glenn and I have been on over the last four or five months. Mm. And it's been really tough for the both of us. But nonetheless, we wanted to share this story with you because we thought it was really important to talk about what we've gone through because we've learned a lot Mm. um, over the last five months. Yes. It's been a steep learning curve. We're going to share that information with you today. And let's begin. Yeah, so do you want to kick yeah, it off? Yeah, I'll lead into it. There'll be things that I'm going to need to ask you anyway, so you can just fill in some blanks for me. However, I think it was April, wasn't it, when we this first happened? First week. Yeah. So you're probably thinking, what are you both talking about? What's been tough? Well, around about April, when we all went through this COVID nightmare together, Narelle and I woke up one morning, or Narelle woke up first and then woke me up to let me know that we'd found Ladybug completely paralyzed from the waist down. Uh, she was in a highly distressed state and she could not walk at all. She was completely paralyzed, literally dragging her back legs behind her. As many people are probably aware, Ladybug has been doing a lot of like little complex skills for me. She helps me on NDTF courses when we're doing training. I was partway through filming her doing nose works or was training up for her nose works and so forth. And if anybody really knows Bug or Ladybug was, as her real name is, she's an extremely vivacious very passionate and highly energetic little French bulldog. Basically, what I'm saying is she's a little pocket rocket. And we kind of understand why this injury occurred because of her explosive nature. So anyway, I think what we should do is actually talk about what happened next. We found her in this state. We rang Dr. Jane Rickart from Hills District Veterinary Clinic Mm. and spoke to her about it. And she said to Narelle straight away, get her down to the Animal Emergency Centre. Clock's ticking. Yeah, the clock's ticking. You need to act fast. So Narelle pretty much scooped her up, put her in the car and had a very distressing car ride all the way down to Homebush to get her to Mm. really the best place she needed to be with the best type of surgeon if she was ever going to have that chance. So by the time the vet got to her and and saw her and spoke to Narelle, like I said, this was during a COVID time where Narelle couldn't even go into the veterinary clinic. They had to come out, pick the dog up, take the dog into the clinic, and then I think they were calling you, weren't they? Yeah, so everyone just had to wait in their cars and they would just ring people on their phones to discuss anything that needed to be discussed. So that was really hard. Like once she was gone, you know, we never saw her again for two weeks. Let's cut back again because the other thing that we had to remember here is that 
you know, look, Narelle rang me. She was very emotional, as you would be, because the prognosis at this stage wasn't good. Mm. The vet basically said, we can operate with a 50 to 70% chance on how she's going to be, or we can put her to sleep now because, you know, the chances may be grim that she won't come through this because at that stage she wasn't feeling deep pain. They were doing neurological tests on her. They were trying to give us some hope. However, you know, the prognosis was we're not sure. And that's pretty much what we kept getting back. So Narelle and I discussed it over and over. And, you know, we we automatically knew, like, this is going to be expensive. Once we surpass the euthanizing her stage, we're starting to talk $10,000 plus just for what's going to happen next. Because once you start getting into the uh, MRIs, then you start getting into the operations and the hospitalization, like you're talking serious money already. So, you know, there's people out there who have been in similar situations who might be thinking, at that stage, I'd probably opt to put the dog to sleep. Because of how enthusiastic and optimistic Bug is as a dog, the spirit that lies within her, and because Narelle and I obviously love her, we mm. decided, you know, let's let's invest in her and see. Take the chance. And take the chance, you know, because it was it was something that we, we felt that we really needed to do for her. Look, yeah. to be honest, we're glad we did. Absolutely. Yeah. And the the surgeon that she was seeing at the time, as I said before, one of the best in the country for that type of surgery. Narelle, do you want to tell them what type of surgery she actually had? So she had decompression surgery between T13 and L3 on the spine. Mm. And even, as I mentioned before, she was in hospital for two weeks. They were doing testing every day on her, a couple of times a day, the neurological Mm. testing. She never regained it. By discharge, she hadn't regained any deep pain perception, according to the surgeons, um, which was interesting because very quickly after having her home, you know, we started to see changes in that aspect of her and as did our vet. When we went and picked her up, she could not walk at all. Like mm. they carried her out, they put her on the ground and like her back legs were floppy. You know, there was zero life in her legs at that point in which time. Which was really confronting to see that for oh, the well, first it time. Was mortifying. I mean, to be honest not bursting into tears was the hardest thing I had to do in front Mm. of the vets when, you know, like you're used to seeing this dog that can charge around at a great rate of knots and then you see this little dog coming out being, you know, with a towel underneath her and absolutely no life in her back legs whatsoever. Like even when she was on the ground, she was just dragging, like her back was shaved pretty much from her shoulder blades down to her tail this great big rectangle. We've got pictures of it and everything. That she, looked, what, she looked like a silverback gorilla. She, she looked gorilla. like a silverback gorilla, yeah. That was what we... And we, she'd lost weight. So it was very confronting to see her in that state. But um, but when she saw us, she came, you know, with all her energy, she dragged herself over. She was so excited. And yeah. you could just see that even though she had lost the use of her legs, that she hadn't lost the use of her spirit. And she was so enthusiastic. And, I mean, that was that was heartbreaking, I'm not going to lie. That was just, that was killing me on the inside. And I'm sure it was for you too, Narelle. Absolutely. And the other thing that came with, you know, with bringing Bug home was at that time early on, she had complete urinary incontinence. Mm. So we had to learn um, from the vet how to manually express her bladder like multiple times a day, because if you didn't and the bladder expanded too much, she could be permanently deformed. She could get urinary tract infection. So... Our whole life for that first month revolved around expressing her bladder. Yeah. Being able to find where her bladder was. Like, it's a skill. It is an absolute skill. And we didn't have much to go on because the lady who came out, was she a vet or a vet nurse who came out? 
I think she was um, a vet nurse. Yeah. So the lady who came out and basically discharged Bug, you know, she was pretty much gowned up, mask on and everything like that. We had to socially distance when we were doing the handover. She was showing us how to do it. And, you know, like we couldn't even put our hands on each other's hands to do it. We had to, Mm. you know, because of this whole COVID thing. So this happened in the worst possible time that it could possibly happen, which are happening to people all around the world at the moment. You know, like we're all going Mm. through this shit storm together. Just a quick caveat I want to put in here because there will be people listening to this story very conflicted about this saying, hey, you never told us about this. Like I don't think we even discussed it with our own parents and they're going to listen to this and say, why didn't you tell us? Well, because like I said, people were going through absolute trauma in their life at the time and this was very hard for us. Mm. You know, like we didn't know what was going to happen next with Bug. We didn't know whether this was going to be a short-term thing because we didn't know whether she was going to be in extreme pain for the rest of her life. We didn't know whether she was never going to be able to toilet properly again. We didn't know whether there were going to be reoccurring bladder infections. There were so many what-ifs and unknowns that were unfolding between Norelle and I's eyes at all times. Mm. We just did not know what was going to happen next. So we kind of discussed this amongst ourselves and said, we will share the story with everybody, which is primarily what we're doing now. We're outing ourselves on the story on this podcast. So it's become a very public thing that people are going to hear of. So we don't want anyone to feel hurt or wounded or, you know, like they were missing out. We just want people to understand this was a, a very private thing at the time, a very distressing thing that we're dealing with. And also a mark of compassion for other people who are also very distressed with what they were going on with their own life at the time being. But now that things have somewhat improved and they certainly have for bug this is why we wanted to tell this story because in some ways it is very much although it's a story of heartbreak at the start is now also a victory story as well and that's why we wanted to expand further on it that's right it was very hard and we were so overwhelmed definitely the first month but the first three months it was just easier not to deal with a lot of questions and Mm. um, people are very well-meaning but, you know, when you're already so overwhelmed, it's just there's no space for much else. But during that time, at the forefront of both of our minds was quality of life for Bug. So yep. we were constantly assessing her quality of life because, unfortunately, if we ever suspected that quality of life was deteriorating, mm. yeah, we knew we would have to make a call. And that, you know, I think that was like a, a very much an unspoken thing between us. Yeah, it was you know, that we might still have to make that decision. Fortunately, as you'll hear through today's podcast of Bug's journey. Bug's still with us. She is doing amazing. Mm. So, And there's a lot of thanks to a lot of people, including, I don't know if I tell Narelle enough, but I do want her to know, and I want everyone else to know, the amazing work that Narelle did and the commitment that she gave towards Bug through all of this because she shouldered the enormous burden of doing the majority of the work with Bug, like taking her to appointments and organising all the supplements that she's going to talk a little bit about and so forth. But she'd really pushed herself beyond a very comfortable limit to being on the realms of extremely uncomfortable with things that she had to do and fit everything in around her life as well to do it. And, you know, we've still got three other dogs. Yeah, Um, we've got dogs and we've got businesses and, you know, we've both got very, very busy lives and there was just so many things exploding around us, you know, like – Work was changing. The world was changing. And again, we understand we're not lacking empathy that other people are going through so much as well, which is, I think I made it clear anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about some of the treatments and all the appointments that Bug has been to. So her life has certainly got interesting over the last three months. She's never been on so many outings. Yeah. Um, And she loves 
Yeah, she, she loves, loves it. it. She loves the car. Yeah. So we, I think you started going back to Jane Rickard. Is it Jane Rickard? Is that how you say your name? Rickard. Yeah, Jane, Jane Rickard. Yeah, so Dr. Yeah. Jane Rickard at Hills District Veterinary Clinic in Dural, Sydney. She's our primary care vet and she's amazing. So we went there for red laser therapy straight out of hospital and she gave some really good advice. She advised us to stop all medications on discharge from the emergency hospital. Mm -hmm. And so Bugs never needed to be on medication for pain management, which is great because she's not in any pain. Yep. And she was the first person who ever said to us, I believe this dog will walk again. From day one. And day one, I looked at her, I'm like. You're missing the point. Yeah, so... She wasn't, though. She was right on the money. And what I love about Jane is she knows I'm a naturopath and a nutritionist and that I do human and dog treatments, and she's not a holistic vet, but she's very open-minded. Mm. So she has embraced everything that we've done and encouraged it, actually. So, yeah. So she's been great. So she was my... So she was where we started with the treatments with red laser therapy. We also added in some physiotherapy, but again, it's COVID. So we had to do physio via Zoom, which was interesting. That was a bizarre experience. I mean, it was yeah. beneficial, but it was bizarre. We did pick up some skills from that, but it was difficult because it, I mean, it's like trying to do karate via a DVD, mm. you know, like you can, you can do it along, but it's never the same as when you're actually in the room and you're being inclusive with the actual physiotherapist and you can, you know, see them doing it. Like they pretty much had to guide us through and say, do this and do that. But, you know, because of them, we actually bought this little wobble board thing. Yeah. Also called a vibration platform. A vibration platform. That's yeah. right. So it's the same thing. It's a human weight loss or fitness tool that you stand on and it vibrates backwards and forwards and you yeah. can put your legs at different positions. Really good for circulation. They yes. do use it as well for humans with post-spinal cord injury mm. surgery. So that's why that was recommended to us for bug. But we were so distressed at that time. It was still very early on and we just wanted to do everything right. And to have a Zoom consult where the physio couldn't even assess her properly and feel her and see her close up, like that was hard. But as you said, we got some really good tips that we could um, get started with ourselves. I tell you what, the actual life saying that what doesn't kill you makes you stronger mm. certainly applies to this because we have progressed and learned so much because of this experience. Like there's been such a learning and growth platform because of what we've learned through. Like it's like everything, I guess, through your life. It, you know, it's probably like a parent who has a child for the first mm. time. They've got no experience and especially if they haven't had, you know, their own parents around there and they've done it all on themselves and they've just gone and had a child and think, what am I going to do? How am I going to raise this thing? And that's really the confrontation that Narelle and I were faced with. Like, how are we going to do this? You know, this is just crazy. This dog can't even walk. Like she can't go to the toilet by herself. And then we're trying to stand her on this vibration platform where she can't even stand. Like you had mm -hmm. to hold, like we had to hold her up and Narelle had to hold her by the front and, you know, lure her with treats. And I had to hold her by the back and keep her legs propped up so she could, we could hold her legs in place. And we we're trying to get her to do lifting exercises where she had no movement and no life in her legs whatsoever. But we, it's what you do. We, it's what you do. And we persevered. Everything felt like we were just a million miles away from where we needed to be. Way outside our comfort zone. Way outside. But, you know, there was no choice. We were doing this for bug. Yep. So that was the physio. And we had a few Zoom sessions. And then we, thanks to Melanie Benware, mm. I did a lot of research into finding an acupuncturist for bug. And that was challenging because I rang, initially I thought, well, it's got to be a vet. I want the most qualified vet to do it. And all the vet clinics I rang that advertised that they did acupuncture mm. 
when I actually spoke to them and said, look, I've got a dog four weeks out of spinal cord injury surgery, they would turn around and say, well, actually, we don't do it for that sort of condition. We only do it, you know, maybe for allergies or skin conditions or just minor things. And a lot of the vets, you know, it's a tiny percentage of what they do in their practice. So it's not an everyday thing a lot of the time. And I'm once I started to learn that, I had a, a woman that I work with who has a vet as a relative and they recommended an amazing practitioner called Neil Barnsley, mm. who all he does is specialize in spinal cord injury, acupuncture and chiropractics for animals. Mm. So he's a three hour round trip from where we live. Yep. And every week we were there. But amazing man steeped in history. Like his oh. grandfather was involved in chiropractic and I think acupuncture for pets. Then his father did it and then uh, Neil went on to do it. And, I mean, he's very expansive and quite progressive in his knowledge of it as well. Like a very impressive young guy with what he's doing. Oh, absolutely. I wouldn't hesitate to recommend him to anyone. And so many people do. Like he's widely recommended for physiotherapy. Well, not so much physiotherapy, chiropractic. He's a fully qualified human chiropractor and acupuncturist. And then he's gone on to study. Like he studied in China and the States to do the animal training for both acupuncture and chiropractic. Mm. So he is phenomenal. And the second person who told us that this dog will walk again. That's right. Mm. So we've done the red laser. We've got the acupuncture going. We've had the physio. Yep. Bugs now into hydrotherapy. Mm-hmm. So that's twice a week. She loves, dons her little her swimming little jacket. A little vesty. And she's on the treadmill. So yep. she's doing the hydrotherapy with the treadmill. So that's, that's with Teresa. Yeah, at Active Canines yep. in Taramara in Sydney. Mm-hmm. So that's just really good because what's important is that we maintain uh, muscle strength and muscle growth. So we don't want anything to atrophy. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, every day we're, you know, not constantly, but Glenn and I always massaging her legs and just trying to stimulate circulation and sort of nerve stimulation as well and blood flow. So I do a lot of stimulation with her where I, not in a mean way, so don't read this and think, oh, you big meanie and you're being cruel, but I, I pinch her toes and like tickle her tail and all sorts of things, which very early on were the first times that I could see signs of movement in her. Like when the vet said that she can't feel anything down from about three quarters of the way down her back to her tail, there was a spot on her tail where I'd actually tickle the end of her tail and she would be highly agitated by it. And I showed the vet when we went back for a consult and he kind of went, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I can, can see it, but never really gave us much indication of it. Whereas, you know, when we spoke to people like Neil and Jane, they said, yeah, that's good. You know, keep doing more of that. And Neil was certainly encouraging that. He said, yeah, you'd need to pinch her toes a little bit and, you know, tickle her and, and get her to twitch her legs and make her muscles fire. and Just teaching the body to communicate right. through those like nerve pathways again. So yeah. just, you know, the more stimulation and, you know, to, to recreate those pathways is what mm. we needed to do. It was interesting because... After we had a f- couple of follow-ups with the emergency hospital surgeons, they pretty much said, you know, this is as good as she's going to get. You might as well get a wheelchair for her. So we thought, well, you know, you trust the surgeon and we started to inquire. But everyone else we spoke to, professionals that were dealing with bug, actually advised against it and said it would potentially hinder. Create atrophy and create a laziness in her behaviour. Yeah, that she would never, you know, really put the effort into try and walk again. So we didn't go down that path and I'm glad... 
now that we didn't mm. because she's doing really well with her steps. So she's walking. It's not the same as what she did before. Like, I mean, if you saw her walk, she's she looks like a drunk person wobbling around, but she is definitely walking. She's on her toes and she's making movements like she's doing foot placements. So even sometimes when she gets excited, she can run. So she's fast. She can... It's hilarious watching her little body tear down the hallway as fast as she can take herself, especially when she knows she's going off to an appointment or anything like that. Like it's actually hilarious and inspiring at the same time at how much this little dog will push herself through. The other night I even took her out to the toilet and it was late at night and she decided that she didn't want to go to the toilet. She just wanted to go back to bed. So she just walked herself back through the concrete path and climbed the stairs and got back into her bed. That in itself is so much progress. You go back several months ago and there was we were carrying her inside or, you know, well, putting... What was happening because she couldn't correct her feet up and she was dragging the tops of her... Yeah, she'd scuff her, back legs, scuff her fur off. Lots of abrasions and, you know, we got some sores developing on her back legs. So I bought all these little booties for her to try and protect her feet. But we've never had to use them because pretty quickly, within another few weeks, you know, she you could see her purposely picking her feet up and stepping so that she was no longer dragging. And that's what, mm. and that's been a great sign of her progress. So yeah, she's actually stepping properly for the most part. Mm. So on the wobble board, we were encouraged by the physio and even by Neil that when she was on the wobble board, I'd like to fold her uh, feet over one at a time to make her actually rest on the knuckles of her feet mm. and then tickle her between the toes. And after a period of time, she would slump her feet back over and put them back on her pads And this was very, very slow coming at the start, you know, like we barely saw any movement in it. And then, you know, as the week started going by, it was more and more progressive. Now to the point, as soon as I put her feet on her knuckles, she flips her foot straight back over. Yeah, it's pretty amazing to see the progress. Within a couple of months, like I said, she's gone from nothing at all to regulating her own feet to be standing back normally. Yeah, and did we mention we don't need to even manually express her? Yeah, that's bladder no, anymore? we didn't. We didn't mention that point. So this was an interesting thing earlier on. Like the vet was expressing the original surgeon of the who did the spinal surgery with Bug was expressing their concern about how laborious it was going to be with her needing to go to the toilet and be expressed. And we said to them, well, actually, a funny thing has happened because even this is earlier on too. If I'm stepping back in time, while we were still putting a towel under her waist and taking her out. She had regained at this stage a little bit of momentum where she could stand. She couldn't walk, but she could sort of support weight, hold herself up. And one day we went out there and I think this is a time that I first took her out. She was sniffing something on the ground. Then she suddenly popped herself into a squat. Mm, To urinate. Yeah, Yeah, went right into that urination position. And the second time I went out, I said, Narelle, I think... I'm seeing what I'm seeing. I need you to verify this. And Narelle came out with me and had a look, and sure enough, she did it again. So we realized that she wasn't as incontinent as what we were first told Mm. she was going to be. She was actually going to the toilet by herself. So that was incredibly encouraging at the time, just that itself. That was huge. And because the risk of urinary tract infections is high Mm. for dogs who are incontinent and need their bladders manually expressed. So that was always a concern for me. And I've bought little urinary test strips that I can actually test her urine for proteins and white blood cells and all sorts of indicators that there might be an infection starting so we can get onto things early. But we haven't had to worry about that, which is really good. And for people who are curious, because I know you're out there, about the poo. Oh, yeah. So I was so proud when she got out of hospital and the surgeon said to me, 
she's got really good anal tone. <laughs> and I, I didn't show it at the time, but inside as a naturopath and poo is so important. I was so proud of my little bug. I'm like, good girl, you've got good anal tone, which yep. means, translation, the innovation to her bowels is still intact and she could defecate normally. Mm. So we've never had to sort of mess with that. No, when she's ready to her. poo, she poos. Yeah, and yeah. because of her diet, which we'll touch on shortly, she never has loose stools. Like I can't remember the last time Bug ever had loose stools. So she's got really well-formed poo, which is great, and, you know, we can take her out and she'll defecate. A lot of the time when we take her outside, yeah. you know, we do have the odd accident inside, but, again, easy to pick up. Yeah. But, yeah, go Bug, good anal tone. Yeah, that's one magic thing, magic toned anus. Something everyone should be aiming for. <laughs> <laughs> Fiber people. Yeah. Um, that's what I'm talking about. Yep. So with the diet, like when anyone goes through surgery, whether it's ourselves, like mm. as humans or our dogs, like that's a huge stress. It's a huge trauma mm. to the body and it places the body in a hypermetabolic state. So what that means is the body naturally starts burning through uh, nutrients a lot quicker. Yep. Breaking down tissues a lot more rapidly. And that's important because if your dog is on a suboptimal diet and not getting the nutrients they need, they will deteriorate. It will affect their immune systems. They will have muscle atrophy and you won't see the progress that you want to see just because they're not, you know, their tissues and their cells aren't getting what they need. Right. Bugs always been on a predominantly raw food diet. And when I say predominantly, the non-raw aspect is still as close to raw as you can get. So she's on Zeewee Peak. Mm-hmm. They're her training treats, yep. which she will do anything oh, for. Oh, she'd run through a brick wall for those. So half of her food intake for the day now is probably given through Zeewee Peak with training mm-hmm. and um, her physio and her exercises, things like that. Mm. The rest of it is just sort of a, a, a bath-style raw food diet. So I'm really huge on plants, not large proportions, but small amounts of Plant matter for trace nutrients in the diet, which again is supporting cellular health and immune health. So protein is really, really important for post-surgery recovery. A standard kibble might have anywhere from 20 to 35% protein on a dry matter basis, whereas a raw food diet will naturally sit somewhere closer to like 40 to 50% protein. So Mm. That's important for people to do with their dogs. If you're on a, and kibble is highly inflammatory in the body. I can pop some papers up on Patreon about just how detrimental it is in terms of creating inflammation. And if the body's inflamed, it's not going to heal. Right. So that's important too. When you say proteins, what type of proteins are you talking about? I'm talking about species appropriate proteins. So, you know, all your animal, your raw animal meat. So whether it's, I mean, Chicken, you've got to be careful with. You don't want to feed chicken exclusively. It can within itself be pro-inflammatory. But all your different, you know, kangaroo, turkey, beef, all of those. Yep. And why protein so important? Um, So as I said, you need protein to support tissue healing and repair and Mm -hmm. cellular regeneration and immune function. Mm -hmm. But what you want to steer clear of is proteins that are coming from plants. Right. Okay. And when I say plants, because I've just said, I, you know, I put plants in the diet, I'm talking about grains, grains right. and legumes. So yep. they are put into kibbles as a source of protein, mm-hmm. but they're not as bioavailable to our dogs. So, you know, when you're in an acute state after surgery, you know, you need to be able to absorb every 
bit of nutrition from the food you're eating if you're going to have a chance to to thrive. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's why you want really highly bioavailable food choices. Zeewee Peak is great because because it's so nutrient dense, you can feed less. So you're not putting such a burden on the digestive system, which mm. helps dogs to absorb what they are eating and get the nutrients out of it in a more efficient way. Right. Okay. Just stepping back in time again, when we're referring to the Zeewee Peak treats, when we're on the actual vibrating platform, Bug now, like she charges up on that platform and she'll put herself in a stand position. Like it's the cutest thing ever to watch how enthusiastic this little dog is. Like when she sees me setting it up and getting everything ready, she is up on that platform in a flash. Like before we had to actually crane her up onto it. Mm. Now, like you come in the room and if you've got everything ready, she's standing on it and she's ready to go. I think sometimes just when she's got the munchies in mid-afternoon, she'll like clamber she up. She clambers up onto it. Hoping to get treats if, yeah. she, if she does a good job. Yeah. And it's the same at the hydrotherapy now. She knows where the entry is into the treadmill. Yep. And she, you know, she climbs up the little step to, to get in there because she knows she gets treats. treats. Yep. Such a guts. Oh, yeah. She's very motivated by food and she loves those Zeewee Peaks. The good thing about them too is... We're not sponsored by Zeewee either. No, but I'm a huge fan. Yeah. But what I will say is that as a little treat, because it's so nice and compact and flat, you know, like it's very easy to give to the dogs. Mm. It's kind of like the perfect dry treat that I can actually feed to the dogs. Like I'm using it for all my treating now for all my training. It's absolutely fantastic. I know it's expensive. Like people have said, it's expensive, but you get what you pay for. You do. Absolutely. The quality is phenomenal for Mm. Zeewee Peak. So that's diet. Diet is really important. So Please, if people have questions about, you know, what they're currently feeding their dog and if it's suitable, they can raise those in the live Q&As that we have on Patreon. So if that's something, if you want to get a lot more personal, I can certainly do that through Patreon. Mm. But the other thing that's been a huge change for Bug is I think she's now on more supplements than me. Yeah. Well, this is really where you came into it because you were telling me very early on the day, you know, like I'm going to really research this to find out what we need to do. And this is where your journey sort of took off in supplementation for spinal damage. That's right. The first, uh, I think the first 48 hours post bug being admitted for surgery, I think I was just glued to my laptop, just Googling all my databases for spinal cord injury Mm. treatments and recovery. Yeah, big time. So unfortunately... Most of the studies on spinal cord injuries are done on rats and mice mm-hmm. because they can purposely like sever their spines and quickly see how treatments um, are working or not working. But it's a really good guide. Um, but, you know, they're still good as a guide for what may be helpful. So I, I took all of that on board. And just to give you an idea, so the main aim with any surgery recovery is you need to support gut health. Mm-hmm. Anesthesia can compromise, you know, the immune system and gut health and and put a strain on the liver. A lot of the pain medications are very detrimental to gut health. So definitely a probiotic and a digestive enzyme to help heal that gut microbiota Mm -hmm. and the, the gut lining. But to just run through a list, it's an occupational hazard as a naturopath to, I've got a clinic on site where we live. So I've got like shelves of supplements. And so I just sort of went in and picked off lots of things for bug and ordered a lot more in. So I've spoken about gut health. So she was on a couple of different supplements to treat different aspects of gut health. In terms of tissue healing and repair, so we've got all your omega-3 fatty acids, which Mm -hmm. help to reduce inflammation and help with recovery. So I had her on a green lip muscle. I had her on a formula that included 
evening primrose oil and vitamin E. So all the, you know, the beautiful oils that our bodies need and are essential in terms of inflammation, things like turmeric. So I've got a really good turmeric product that also incorporates some phospholipids. So people might know when you're trying to make golden paste, if mm-hmm. you, people are familiar with that recipe, to, because turmeric is so poorly absorbed in the body, you need to add a fat and ideally some pepper to it as well. But the product I've used is a highly concentrated supplemental form that has the fats incorporated into it to maximize absorption. So that was great. Lots of herbs to stimulate circulation and nerve regeneration and uh, liver support. Mm. So, you you know, you have to think about it. When tissues are damaged, we need to get as much oxygen and as many nutrients to the the damaged tissue site as possible. But you've also got to get that waste, like that cellular waste material out as well. So if you don't have good circulation, that's going to be compromised and you won't get the same healing Mm. effects that you want. Vitamin C is fundamental to all aspects of wound healing. So I used Rosehip Vital, which is a really great powder. It's a natural form of vitamin C. Lethicin as a form of choline. What's lethicin? It's a source of, it's a type of fat and it's in egg yolk. Yep. Because I know you've made me take this in the past before. Like you've just said here, take this. It's really good for the liver. So most people don't get enough choline naturally in their diet. Absolutely essential for pregnant women to support fetal growth development and infant growth and development. I'm Mm -hmm. just, so in the body, there's our nerve cells have what's called a myelin sheath running over their tail end. Mm Mm-hmm. So the purpose of the myelin sheath is to insulate the neurons so Mm -hmm. they can send electrical signals faster and more efficiently throughout the body. So that's important. You know, Bug's whole nervous system was compromised Mm. with her paralysis. So we need to get those electrical signals happening and those pathways regenerating and talking to each other. So foods that contain lethicin are really, really important. So some of the other supplements that... I've included in Bugs Regime some collagen to help with, again, tissue healing and repair, acetyl-L-carnitine, so working at a mitochondrial and a cellular level to stimulate recovery. And the one that, you know, we can't get CBD oil in Australia. Well, it's not legal to get it in Australia. So I use a product called palmitoyl ethanol amide, which is abbreviated to P, and I've spoken about that on the Canine Paradigm isn't it stupid that CBD is not legal in Australia? Like, it, that is outrageous. It is pretty crazy. Like, just outrageous. If there's anybody that's involved in policy making for the government out there that may ever listen to this episode, please make some affirmative changes. Like, give people access to the things that they actually need. Like, that thing itself is a wonder remedy for a lot of people and animals. It is. I Look, the day's coming very soon, I think, where we'll have full access to that in Australia. So yeah. so look, I've got a whole list of supplements. What I might do rather than rattle on about them all right now is I can pop that up on Patreon. Mm. If people are interested in the brands that I was using and the, I mean, I can talk about the dosages I was using for bug, but it may or may not be applicable to your dog. But, you know, we can talk about that in the, the live Q and A's if that's the case. So, you know, it's been a journey. It's been a crazy, wild, emotional but also very educational. And in some ways, towards the end of it, it's been a fun journey. I would never say that I want to do it again. No. But Bug has kept us inspired. Her bright eyes and her little passion for life. 
There's just no way we could have given up on her. Oh, you see her crazy little face and she's she's still so naughty. Like she still tries to get away with <laughs> everything. everything. Mm. Um, and we let her now. So she's so got one over <laughs> on us. Yep. The other good thing, you know, to come out of this whole experience is I think, you know, it taught Glenn and I to work together yep. a lot more collaboratively. Mm. And, you know, because we're both sleep deprived initially and very stressed and just learning how to communicate under those conditions and manage bug at the same time and manage life. Yeah. There were some interesting times. So Yeah, there was. There was some very highly emotive times. I mean, I, I think for the second week that she was still in hospital, I was pretty much in the garage howling, just thinking, I'm never going to see her again. I'd pretty much resigned myself to the fact, like I said, the prognosis was bad at that time. But, you know, like I don't want to end on a sad note and think make people think that it's terrible. It was just it was grim at the time, but getting to see her moving her little limbs and, you know, like suddenly going from tiny little twitches all of a sudden to being able to support weight on her legs, then to, you know, like see her taking steps and flinching away from things is just magnificent just to see this energy coming back into her body. And, and the good thing is that mm. people will get to see her journey. Yeah, because we filmed it. So, you know, in Narelle's Patreon, we're going to actually show, we're going to show a collaboration of some of the things that we've been doing with her so people can, you know, experience it. And we, we can kind of take you on the journey with us. But the other thing that I do want to do, and I'm sure both of us want to do, is thank the people that stood by us, mm. uh, you know, the people who were involved in it. And one, one person in particular who I speak to her quite regularly because we're interconnected on the ISCP, but we're also friends as well, is my friend Melanie Benware or our friend Melanie Benware, and she picked up straight away that there was something wrong. And when I told her what had happened, she went and spoke to a friend of hers that had experience in that and got back to me and she was the one who said, look, get Narelle to speak to me because you really need to get her onto the acupuncture and especially somebody who does like uh, electric stimulation acupuncture. And that's how Narelle – and I think Narelle looked for every single mm. acupuncturist in the state of New South Wales – and that's where she finally found Neil, who kind of crazy we didn't find him earlier on because he is such a well-regarded and so highly sought-after practitioner. So we were very lucky. We, we, yeah, but we, I guess if you don't need a service, you, exactly you right. don't know. Yeah. So like I said, a lot of people we really need to thank. Mel Benware, Jane Rickart, Neil Barnsley, mm. even the vet that did the surgery on her. You know, I think she was in the best place at the time with the surgery that she got, you know, even though like we were sort of painting a grim picture on it and I don't think that they were terribly optimistic. I think their bedside manner is probably a little bit. Look, they're probably, it's been a huge undertaking. So it's a lot of, it's a huge burden to take on a paralyzed dog and mm. care for it. And I think they're probably just from experience have seen it so often not work out Yeah, where people think they can handle it, take the dog home and then realize after a, a month, perhaps it turns your life upside it's down. Just too much. We can't do this. Mm. And you know, there are times. There were times early on where I question. You know, can we sustain this level of input yeah. into Bug? You know, forever. Like yeah. you know, for the duration of her life. So, I tell you one thing that did make it easier was when she started uh, urinating by herself. Yes. Like taking that out of the equation was a giant step forward in her recovery. Mm. Like the thought of expressing her for the rest of her life was concerning. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd also like to thank a few of my clients. I won't name them for confidentiality reasons, but, you know, a lot of appointments that I've had to take bug to. And 
some of my clients that I know really well through other avenues have been really flexible at times when I can only get buggy in on a certain day at a certain time for her physio, for example. And I've, you know, just saying, can you slightly shift your appointment? And people have been very accommodating. So I really appreciate that. Yeah. So the people who were in the know were so supportive and so loving with their messages and their generosity and everything like that. So thank you to you guys too. We really look forward to sharing Bug's journey um, visually with you at some point. That won't be up straight away. There's a bit more to go with filming and putting that together. Mm. But it's going to be an amazing story and we really love that you're now part of it and that we've been able to share it with you all. Yeah, definitely. As we said at the start, we did want to tell people. Um, There was a lot of people that we did want to share it with. And I hope you understand that when you have heard this, you don't look at it and say, well, why wouldn't you tell me? You know, like I'm close to you. Understand that you were going through your own personal health that time as well. It was right in the guts of COVID. Mm. And, you know, like we just thought, let us just see where this ends up. Let us see where this concludes. Let us see how we can cope and manage with what's going on. And if we can, because we actually didn't know whether we're going to say, oh, it's all good. And now, no, it's not. Now that it is looking so good, we hope that uh, things will only continue to get better. They're looking great. Mm. You know, she's tracking so well and we'd love to still be able to do progress stories on her into the future because Narelle's still continuing, you know, to monitor her so closely and be able to treat her and look for new studies and so forth. So who knows? The sky's the limit from here for little bug one. That's right. Yeah. I think that's a good place to wrap it up. What do you think? I think so. But thanks for listening, everyone. Yeah. And so when people need to contact you, they can do it by? The best place is my Facebook page, Mm -hmm. Natural Health for People and Pets. There's a lot more information on my website, Mm -hmm. naturalhealthandnutrition.com.au. And there's the Patreon page, which is also Natural Health for People and Pets. Great. And if they need to email you? Hello at naturalhealthandnutrition.com.au. Okay. Well, that's it for the episode. Bye. Bye. Bye.